HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch, grass-fed beef raised on California's central coast. Available seasonally at select Whole Foods markets. Learn more at HearstRanch.com. Welcome to Own the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer, and it is Saturday, February 3rd, 2024. This is our 378th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. This show will be broadcast next week. So today, I'm on location in Phoenix, Arizona, with my guest, who is an acclaimed chef, who has a couple of amazing restaurants here at a luxury resort, and I will introduce them fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later, we'll have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to take care of your people. Now, usually when we talk about hospitality, we talk about taking care of the guest, taking care of their needs, interests, and desires. And yes, of course, that is what hospitality is about. However, good hospitality or customer service actually stems from looking after one's team as well as ourselves. We must first take care of the people who provide hospitality for others so they can then in turn take care of the guest. It's the hospitality within that creates the hospitality outward. So let's remember to always put our people who are essentially our family first as that is the core of hospitality. And that's my tip today. Okay, so I'm so excited. I'm here in Phoenix, Arizona with my guest, who is Angela Sosa, he's the executive chef of Tia Carmen and Cambara Restaurants at the JW Marriott Phoenix Desert Ridge Resort and Spa. Angelo is a chef, restaurateur, and author of Dominican and Italian descent, who spent years working under 
world-class chefs and restaurateurs, including Alain Ducasse, John George Von Richten, Stephen Starr, and Masuharu Morimoto. He is known for his bold cooking rooted in Asian flavors and techniques, bringing over 25 years of experience that has taken him from three-star kitchens in Europe mm. to street food stalls in Thailand. In 2010, Angelo competed on season seven of Bravo's hit show, Top Chef, and later on Top Chef All-Stars, quickly becoming a fan favorite. And I'm a fan. So, hi, Angelo. Welcome to the show. That's quite a, a mouthful, isn't it? I always start out with like a bit of a mouthful, and then I let my guests talk. <laughs> and I love your tip of the day. That is magnificent, and I can't agree more because that's really something we do here in, in both of our restaurants, Tia Carmen and Kambara, is we really, um, we have such a tight, beautiful um, culture DNA, and we really promote that we're one unit, we're one body, and we have to hold each other not only accountable, but look out for each other, right? So one, we're responsible for how we all show up. Um, but two, we have to care for each other because in order, if we care for each other, like you said, we then care for the guests. I love that it resonates with you. I have to say, I wrote that tip last night, having been <laughs> here a couple of days. Uh, I, I like to try to tie my tip mm. into what I think my guests will appreciate. And from being here mm. and seeing you with your team, I felt that um, mm. you would feel the same way as I do about that that tip. So I'm glad you do. Was that after the, was it eight courses or 10 courses you ate last night? <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Um, well, how was you, your meal, first of all? My meal, my meals... My meals have been. The spot my meals house. have been amazing. I mean, okay. we're we're jumping ahead to Kambara, where I was last night, okay. and then I've just came from my second breakfast at <laughs> Tia Carmen, where I went completely savory. Second in one day. Well, yeah, no, I had breakfast okay. there yesterday okay. and breakfast today. Okay. Um, yesterday, I went more of a, tra I guess, more traditional of what I would say of your fruits and granolas and Ooh. that direction, which because you have this amazing buffet, breakfast, brunch, lunch at Tia Carmen. But today I went with your rice and your fazole. Oh and gosh. yes, but, um, and dinner last night was fabulous and dinner at Tia Carmen was fabulous. So, um, well, while I guess I usually start out with my, with learning about chef's backgrounds, but sure. we can jump into your restaurants here and then kind of work backwards. Well, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I'm on your time. <laughs> and we're having, you know, we're, I would like to say old friends yes. and new friends. Like yes. I just remember, I remember seeing you at events and I'm just so happy you're here. It's been, you haven't been here since what, for 15, 20 years? Yeah, about. Okay. And I was, yeah, my memories also of when I was 10 years <laughs> old and I went to the Grand Canyon and I did a trip, okay. you know, through the, 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 Midwest um, then, and I'm due to do more of that <laughs> nature sort of trip. But the nature here is beautiful. We're in the mountains. We're in the desert. Um, so, okay. So let's go back a bit because okay. um, I want to know what led you to opening these amazing restaurants sure. here in Phoenix. But take us back a bit to where you grew up and what led you to go to the CIA and, and pursue a career as a chef. Okay. Okay, beautiful. All right. Okay, 
Well, thank you for having me on. So excited to see you and talk about things that I'm very passionate about. Um, thank you so for I, joining me. You, you're very welcome. Um, so yes, I, I grew up in a Dominican Italian household. And uh, interesting enough, my father, very machismo Latino man, right? Um, not only was he in the army, okay, but he was also a psychiatrist and coming from the Dominican Republic, he had this sense of providing for the family, which is a good intention, right? But let me tell you, my childhood was not, you know, playing kickball on the weekends, flying kites, playing with remote control cars. No, it was 5 a.m., alarm went off, you know, um, get up to the garden, no matter what the weather was, whether it was you know, snowing, sleeting, raining, we had to till the garden, um, prepare the compost, um, you know, prune plants, prune vegetables, prune fruits, whatever that might be, right? And then we would get, in, you know, we'd be there for until about five or six in the evening. And then on Sunday, at the time, like a good Catholic family, we would go to church in our big blue Oldsmobile. I'm not even sure if they make those cars anymore. <laughs> wait, wait, my dad had one. We had one. Yeah, my dad had an Oldsmobile. Maybe we sold it to your father. We also had a Cadillac. <laughs> I learned how to drive on a this baby blue, like giant Cadillac. We called it the yacht because it was so big. <laughs> and but it made me into a good driver yeah. because I learned how to maneuver okay. something that was large. You know, yeah. as far as an so automobile. So maybe we could both be truck so, drivers in a second. Yeah, life. but Oldsmobile. God, I haven't heard that. <laughs> word in a long time. Okay. That's okay. We can date ourselves. We can, we're okay. comfortable in yeah. our own skin and with yeah. our, our beauty and age. Okay. Um, so we would, um, when it was time to come home, right, you know, in a Dominican household, there was just copious amounts of rice. And of course I had to cook the rice. So two things I was a master at. Um, probably would have worked great in Japan too <laughs> with all the rice I cleaned. So I had to clean rice, which took hours. And my father was so you know, he would hover over me like a prison guard behind me, watching me pull in this beautiful wooden bowl, go grain by grain by grain, looking for pebbles or dirty rice. And he would just stand right over me the whole time, making sure that there was no pebbles, right? And let me just put it this way. There was hell to pay if he found one. Then the other thing that I was really awesome at was making tostones, right? Green fried bananas, when it came out, I would just rub it with a little garlic, salt, pepper. Um, and it was just magical, especially when they're like beautifully crispy and warm and yummy, right? Yeah. Um, so in those moments, right, being a nine-year-old boy, like I didn't enjoy cleaning 20 pounds of rice. Like who would enjoy that, right? But little did I know my father was teaching me details, right? And I'll get to that point later on. But on the flip side, it was my Tia Carmen, my Dominican Tia, when we were driving that blue Oldsmobile, right? You could have been our driver. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a mental note of that for next time. We would go to Queens, New York, and she lived on the corner. My siblings, was, we had a large family. They would run through, you know, slam the door open with no regard, run through the living room, run past the kitchen, run outside to play. And it was my Tia Carmen's cooking. It was almost like this tug of war. It would just pull me in, you know, past the living room, into the kitchen, onto a stool and I would just watch her totally mesmerized by her cooking. She was just so vivacious. So she would dance, she would drink a little wine. She would just sing to herself. She would say things to me that I didn't understand as a nine-year-old boy. And when it was time to eat, 
we would just sit there, you know, there'd be like 15 of us. And I would sit on the floor like a little puppy, just in awe looking at this woman as I had my, my plate of rice and beans and all these beautiful concoctions. And I would just watch this woman, my Tia, not even touch her food until she heard laughter and joy. And then I would just sit there and be like, wow, if this is what love looks like, I'm gonna do this the rest of my life. So as a nine-year-old boy, I knew I wanted to become a chef. And I've had a very blessed, you know, fast forwarding, right? I spent time in New York City with Jean-Georges, the majority of my career, uh, four years in fact. And those lessons that my father was teaching me about the grain by grain and the details, right? It all started making sense to me. He was prepping me for this moment, right? Yeah. So uh, I was very blessed. In that moment, it all kind of just made sense to me. I love that. I'm thinking back when you're nine, did you tell your Tia that one day I'm going to name a restaurant after you? (laughs) You know, she passed over 30 years ago and my sister was here um, two weeks ago and she dined at Tia Carmen and we had to take out a a case of tissues for her. I was going to say, I was going to say, that must have been really special. She was taken aback and what she said, I wasn't here, but she told um, our lovely um, manager that if she was alive today, um, she'd be overwhelmed and she probably wouldn't even know the impact she had in my life. So she really was my North Star and, and the guiding yeah. light uh, for, for for me. I love that. So, yes, we I know you from well, we I don't know exactly <laughs> when we met, but I've known you a long time. And I, I remember um, some of your places in New York, Anejo. Sure. So um, that you were a part of for several years. Yep, Añejo we had literally right after Top Chef. Okay. Um, And we had our location, if I remember correctly, on 47th and 10th. Hell's Kitchen, I know, because I live near-ish there. Right. So, yeah. It was such a fun, vibrant restaurant. We had beautiful tequilas. We had rabbit mole, just really interesting concoctions. And then we had a second location downtown in Soho. Um, Yeah, that was back in the day. Yeah, no, it was it was it was wonderful. And you mentioned Top Chef. So what led you to go on Top Chef? Because this was what what year was this? 2000? Oh well, you said 2010. So let's go. I, I, okay. I, I believe I've been on three times. Oh, you've been on three. Yes. You I noticed know. my gray hairs. So. <laughs> well, no, you were on, so you're on season seven and that was in D.C. Season seven. I, I went back for season eight. Which was, that was an all-star one? That is correct. Okay. And then the other one might have been season 17. It was just a quick debut. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I said hello and goodbye on the same same day. <laughs> I don't know. I picked up two, but that's cool. So you were on three. So what was your experience like? Yeah, I mean, t- t- Top Chef is, um, you know, for me, I think it's like continuing education, right? It's like going to the, the MIT or Harvard or Stanford of education, just, just to cook around brilliant chefs. Um, you know, whether that's Tiffany Derry, people that I love, Carla Hall, uh, Dale Talday, um, yeah. Kevin Sprague, like just cooking around these chefs. It really, and if you really just receive, it's amazing just how you expand, right? So I really just love being around that experience. Yeah, no, I remember watching and you did really well. I mean, you came uh, season seven runner up, second I was place. Runner up, yeah. I was second Singapore. But again, you know, sometimes people see me like, oh, you should have won. No, everything, ha- I just believe in the universe yeah, and I believe things reason. happen the way that they happen. And I believe, how do you define winning? You know, um, you know, it's a very interesting question. I don't need to necessarily win in order to win, if that makes sense. 100%. I mean, 
I mean, there's so many, uh, look at Carla Hall, you know? Oh, <laughs> like, I adore that. I mean, there's so many examples of, of people who yeah. are on the show who have done extremely well with their career, uh, didn't necessarily come away with the Top Chef number one spot on the list, but it's, I think it's incredible you mm-hmm. were to be on the show and, and to, uh, I just remember watching you and you're being so charismatic and like, it means competition, I imagine. From what I know, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's extremely hard. And I think at the end of the day, I what what I you know, Top Chef. It's 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 also mind strength, right? You have to have really be very intentional. You have to have really you know be very clear. And it, it's really I mean, because there's there's days that you're you're up for forty eight hours, right? And then yeah. you're supposed to cook the meal of your life. Like, how can any you know chef do that, right? So I think it's like sometimes you know, who's mentally strong as well. Yeah, true, true. So how, how did that change your career path? I mean, because all of a sudden, I'm, I'm assuming you went from being a more n- anonymous chef to being recognized. Sure, most definitely. And you have to realize too, so I grew up in a family of nine, okay? Wow. Um, grew, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was no TV back then. <laughs> Blue Oldsmobiles, but no TV. That's, that's, <laughs> where are you in the lineup? I, I okay. I'm the youngest, Okay. <laughs> not spoiled. Uh, we had to earn everything. Um, but, you know, I grew up in a very humble town of 5,000 people in, in Durham, Connecticut, a little small farming community, so farming town. So to, to see myself on, um, you know, well, first, of, first and foremost, to, to be on TV, it was really, there was a lot of healing, right, especially for my family. And I grew up in a really kind of very hard home you know, saying that nicely, and to see my cousins and my family come together. So it unified our family, which was just beautiful. But I was very shy, you know, uh, regardless of how I was portrayed on, on TV. Um, I, I'm a very shy person naturally, and that's where my, my comfort zone is. So to be noticed and recognized or see your picture on a bus, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's yeah, it's kind of crazy. like nerve wracking to me. So there was a lot of internal dialogue, but, you know, I think if I were to fast forward and if I were to tell myself, you know, when I was, I don't know how old I was, in my mid-30s, um, you know, just receive it all. You know, it's all it's all good. It's all blessing. And, and I'm worthy of that. Right. So yeah. if I could speak to my younger self, that's probably what I, I would have said to myself. Wow. No, congratulations. I think it's Thank amazing you. where your whole career, which <laughs> brings us, let's talk about Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. It's, um, it's so wonderful to mm-hmm. be here. This property is mm-hmm. gorgeous. It is. Um, the sun is out. It's a little chillier today, I think, for your standard Phoenix weather. But coming from New York, it's um, it's lovely. And, uh, <laughs> hey, and it's not the raining. Sun, the sun is not out. Snowing. No, it's beautiful. We're looking at palm trees. Oh, you my have God. Amazing, amazing, yeah, waterfall pools. Uh. Um, it's, it's, I would imagine a lovely place to be working. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel totally blessed. I, 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 first and foremost, like the, the, the ownership Trinity investments, Greg Dickens, um, and team, I, I just adore them. Right. I I've learned in my life, um, to really be very maniacal and picky of who you surround yourself with. And it's a great example. I just truly adore them. Uh, and I believe yeah. in them and I believe they believe in me. So it's just that you know, we're on a united front. And then, you know, here at the JW Marriott, I, I think it's so cool. All the rooms are beautifully renovated. The spa's renovated. We have beautiful pickleball courts. Are you going to do pickleball? 
You want to play? Do you want to play? Sure. I play. I play tennis. I play pickleball. You play tennis? I play tennis. I grew up in Miami. They don't let you out of Florida unless why did you your play tennis. Expressions say, now you're getting really competitive with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I played pickleball oh for gosh. the first time with my family last summer, and I can. It's tennis, but it's. You want to play tomorrow morning? Yeah, let's play. Okay. I'm down for it. Okay. But I mean, if I'm serious. Win, you, you can't delete this podcast. I'll let you win. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Way to save face. <laughs> If I win, you still need to be my friend. Oh. <laughs> handshake. We just handshake. Okay. I would love to play. Um, I'm signed up to get a massage later, which I can't wait. And my room is fantastic. This whole property, JW yeah. Marriott, Phoenix Desert Ridge yes. Resort and Spa. It's a long name, but um, it's, an it's fabulous. Isn't it an oasis? Yeah, they could just call it JW Marriott Oasis. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. In Phoenix, uh, Arizona. No, it's all great. Um, but you have two restaurants here on yeah. property. So let's let's talk about them because sure. let's talk about Kambara first, because we're here in your is this is this part of the dining room or like a PDR? PDR. Okay. This is my I love this wallpaper. What do you think about it? It's very I'm putting you on the spot. It feels very Arizonian or something. I don't know, fitting for this environment, if that makes sense. Okay. And it, but it also, it reminds me a little of, of, of Mexico mm. or just, I don't know, traveling abroad. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about it? <laughs> I'm not doing it justice. It's got, it's flowers and it's, it's a very, it's like a, a nature setting. It's, it's yeah. happy. Yeah. It's colorful. It is colorful. It, it reminds me of, um, it's kind of a little nostalgic too. It's, it's kind of, I don't want to say retro, but it's like, it reminds me of Malaysia. Um, my dear friend Thomas Schuss designed both restaurants, Tia Carmen and Kambara, and I adore him. And he's just like, I think, a pure genius of a designer. See, I, I haven't been to Malaysia like... yet. Yes. So it oh, can't yeah. remind me of that yet, but one day. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the Pickleball Court. Okay, fabulous. <laughs> so, yeah, we, about Kambara. Yes. So, oh, my God. I, I mean, I have such a deep passion and love for Asian food, culture. I spent a lot of time in Asia, even prior to even this project. Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, Malacca, Vietnam. <clears throat> um, so I have such a deep respect for the culture. I, I just think it's such a beautiful, humble culture, culture. And this is really how I want the service to be. I want people to, we have a, we have a Japanese mantra. It's called Ichigo Ichie. And if, if you notice, it's actually written above the kitchen. Right? It's painted above the kitchen. Thomas Schuss did that, uh, quite lovely. And what the word means is essentially that this moment, or if you're a guest and you come in, right, that that moment will never, ever happen again. So that is our opportunity to breathe life, to speak life, and to transform that moment to leave that long-lasting impression, right? I love it. So talk about your menu because you have lots of different influences different cuisines, actually, I would say, under mm -hmm. one cuisine or one umbrella. Or roof. <laughs> <laughs> Something like one that. One umbrella. How about that? Because uh, we do have umbrella. Well, yeah, it, it, it's actually really cool. So the word kambara is a Malay word meaning to seek and discover, right? And that's essentially what we wanted to do. So we serve, it's Asian street food. So we want you to seek and discover, right? So little you know, Nash's are, are dishes from Japan. And then you go to, then you have dishes from whether it's Fukuoka or Vietnam or Hanoi, right? And then you go and have 
you know, again, these are dishes that I've had and I've tried, and it's my interpretation and my inspiration of these dishes. Some are just modern takes of 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 dishes, but like you had cow soy, right? You had cow soy. Yes, and delicious. We just spent, I know, so lovely, and that's a beautiful. So like all of our curries, all of our sambals, all of our noodles, dim sum. It's all made fresh, and it's really exciting to me to bring this types these types of flavors to the team and teach them and to empower them. And really focus on like the layering and the technique. Um, we spent about three months for Kambara. We spent three months of recipe development to really refine the dishes. And we, like I told you yesterday, we started with 65 dishes for the menu. But it's very tricky because we wanted all of these dishes, even though they might be Thai or Malaysian or Malacan or Japanese, there's a way that they could all talk to each other, right? Yes. So we had to wean down that menu to about 30 dishes. And I feel like the menu that we currently has have it tells that story, right? Yeah. It's very cohesive. Yes, it does. It does. And everything was fantastic. Um, I've been eating quite well for the past couple of days. And let's talk about Tia Carmen because, yes, I've had a couple of breakfasts there, mm-hmm. dinner there. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh, thank you. Really amazing. And I love, I mean, you, your passion, you know, your explanations of every dish, um, your love for what you do just shines through. Mm-hmm. And also, and all your expertise. I mean, you've mm-hmm. cooked around the world and you're bringing that to these restaurants. Mm-hmm. So talk a little about, I know, you know, Tia Carmen's named after your aunt, sure. Tia. Um, but the inspiration or like, how would you define the, the food that you're doing over, yeah. over there on the other other side of the lobby? A hundred feet away. Yes. Yeah, and that's and it's beautiful. That space is beautiful too. I, I Very think- different than... Than here, um, they're both beautiful, but I would say that Kambara is like more dark and sexy. Yeah. And then uh, Tia Carmen's like light and yeah. bright. I like to say naughty and nice, right? Okay. <laughs> Go there. <laughs> right? You have to have yin yes. and yang. Yes, you have to have yes. the dark, the light, the, you know, right? So Tia Carmen, obviously the namesake of, of, you know, Tia Carmen, when people step in, one, I just, even when you're just dining, I want you to feel just welcome, embraced. We greet people hand over the heart because we're just really, and this just isn't something that I just say because it sounds pretty. Really believe that the guest is gifting us with their presence. And we really want them to just feel like, let us just take care of you. So if you're to just close your eyes, I want you to feel that spirit, that energy of Tia Carmen, of what it felt like when I tasted her food, that energy, that love, that frequency, right? Um, I loved one thing I realized a lot about myself is I love traveling, I love learning, and I love being that conduit, that storyteller. So for Tia Carmen, we spent a lot of time traveling through New Mexico, Arizona. Like really, I just thought Arizona was sunsets and cactus. And you know, that was such an ignorant and naive perspective. It's so much more than that. Like up north from here, you could go foraging and get beautiful juniper. You could get chanterelles, morels. You could even find yuzu. You know, it's a citrus state, right? South of, you know, two hours south of here, you'll see the most beautiful free-range chickens that you'll think you're, you know, that maybe they would even serve at the French Laundry, right? Yeah. Um, and it looked like looks like Napa Valley, right? Well, without the wineries. You know, <laughs> but, um, so Tia Carmen, we really pay for, it's contemporary Southwestern, and we put a great emphasis on heirloom and heritage ingredients and working with native grains. You know, one of our beautiful dishes, which is one of my favorite dishes, is the ember roasted yam, which you had. I loved that 
dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, seriously, like the whole the whole meal was fantastic. But that, if I had to name like my favorite, favorite, that would probably have been my favorite. Out of both both venues or actually, that's oh, a great question. Now you're putting me on the spot again. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to say oh, yes. Really? I'm going to give that dish my favorite. Number two, then. So you're saying for both <laughs> restaurants, the yam with the aged mole. Yeah. Which we use the tempari beans, which is native to the region. What's this number two? Oh, God. You got to go back in your memory bag. Oh, it was all so good. I mean, everything at Tia Carmen, the whole meal, like from start to finish, even your dessert at the end with the flan, like oh, all of that. Uh, but the Kambara, I mean, the crab fried rice, the cow soy, the, what, the lamb? Spring rolls. Spring rolls. Oh, and the first, the, the tuna. tuna I'm not picking one, am I? <laughs> uh, you just listed five. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't need to. I don't, okay. I don't. Okay. Favorites, I don't like, you know, yeah. people ask That's me, what's different. your favorite restaurant yeah. here or there? And I can so. never name favorites because there's so many amazing restaurants. Yeah. But just going back to the yam dish, it's just, that's also just my my flavor profile, but a, a flavor yeah. profile that I really enjoy. Yeah. Like my palate enjoys yeah. sweet like yams, but you're, I mean, the mole, the combination, I have never had anything quite like that before. Yeah. And that dish specifically is really fun for me because when I create, I think about, you know, for both restaurants, I think about, okay, how is this dish approachable, okay? Right. And then how is this dish creative? And then so I think about the Trinity. And then the third one is how is this dish innovative? And if you really kind of dissect the three of them, they're actually three separate things that actually don't necessarily work well together. So I have to find a common ground where they all kind of become cohesive. Yeah. But I should ask you the same question. If you had to pick, I mean, let's not say favorites, but the dish, the dish you would say, like if you go to Tia Carmen and you come to Kambara and you can only eat one dish at each place, what are you going to give? What are you going to give people? That's a great question. Um, I I do think the yam embodies that. It embodies the story of Tia Carmen because we are contemporary Southwestern cuisine. And what does that mean? What does contemporary mean? It's what's what's showcased in the region, right? Mm -hmm. So we're using these beautiful ingredients. We have a, in fact, we have a gorgeous garden. Farmer Liza is this beautiful, gifted, hearted, lovely farmer, woman, leader who just puts so much have you seen the garden put so much love in there i saw it yesterday and it is it's i took a couple pictures it's beautiful it's magical yeah and the landscaping here who's ever yes keeping clark keeping up on this stuff there's so this this isn't just yeah the amount of care it's like raising children the amount of care is impeccable well it's a it's it's a very large property Mm -hmm. and your garden is it's lovely. And you have the little hummingbirds there Humming, too? Hummingbirds. Hummingbirds. And I want you to feed them. I want to, I have things to do today <laughs> to feed hum, hummingbirds. <laughs> you can be on your computer and have the, the simple syrup ring on. Um, you don't I'm, have any rings on. I'm going to do that because <laughs> I don't have this opportunity that you often or ever. So yes, yes. But your garden is, I mean, it's amazing. You have yeah. that here. It's really, it's wonderful. And yeah, so... So the yam, yes. okay. yam with the tempari bean, aged mole negro. Our mole is aged for 27 months. That's um, it? <laughs> that's it. 
<laughs> I just picked it up at the gift shop. Um, just serve with these beautiful yams that we get at the market. We cook it on the mesquite, right? On the embers of the mesquite. So it turns pitch black. And then we peel the jacket or the skin. Um, and we serve that with heirloom carrots. Uh, and then with beautiful queso sauce. And then for Kambara, what dish is emblematic of our story? That's a tough one. Nobody's asked me that question for it. That's really tough. If I was going to, well, I don't know. I didn't I have everything hear your in the response, menu. Then I'm gonna... Well, out of the dishes I had, I, I would guess you might say the tuna or the... No, cow soy. I don't know. I didn't have the whole menu. I, I assume I had like dishes, obviously, that you you chose for me to enjoy. So I would kind of think maybe it's one of the ones I had. I, I think the tuna might be the most innovative, and I think it's really gorgeous and pretty, right? Yeah. Um, and that really that dish represents the Thai imperial cuisine. Um, but I, I would say the cow soy I'm most proud of, right? Because when uh, my business partner and I, Mark, were in Chiang Mai doing our deep research of cow soy, we had literally over 20 cow soys because each block is very different. There's different, there's a clear broth cow soy. Um, there's, you know, um, Muslim cow soy. There's so many different variations. So I think I'm super proud of our cow soy because, again, our, our curry paste is made fresh in house. We make our curry powder on top of that and we bloom that at the end and you get those beautiful you know, um, fall spice, the cinnamon, um, the all spice, the clove, and then you get the beautiful, you know, um, menthol flavors of the cardamom. So I'd probably say I'm most proud of the cow Okay, soy. there you go. That's an answer. Yes, we both answered it. But it, all of my meals have been really wonderful Thank in what you. you're doing here. I mean, Thank you. you can cook. Thank you. You can cook. And there's love in it. There's like, as I said, like your passion, your love. It, and your whole team, like it, it, it shines through. It's not mm. just delicious food. Like you feel, feel some like energy here, mm. which is cool. I, I love that because I'll even use a different word because it's relevant to Arizona, like Sedona. When you think of Sedona, you think of a vortex. Like for me, <laughs> it's very important that we have this vortex of a culture that we cook from a place of just passion, like in conviction, right? And I think the food needs to be autonomous. It needs to have a voice. And I want the food to be bold, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. Okay, a couple other things. <laughs> um, what's next coming up for you? Because you, and you're, you're in San Diego? Yeah, I live in San Diego. Okay, that's cool. Um, oh I'm due to go back there. I haven't been there in a really long time. Okay, I would love to take you to we some places. We can play pickleball there too, or do, I don't know, eat out. But what, so what's coming up for you? Are you opening any well, new I'm gonna places? I'm going to have lunch. You're going to have lunch. Okay. Oh, you mean next, like, perfect. Well, is there <laughs> yes. anything to share oh or so we, excited. we need to find out if no, there is anything else? I would love to talk about this because I'm so passionate. So we are opening up our second location of Tia Carmen in Indian Wells um, at the... Um, it's currently a Hyatt Regency, but it's going to be upgraded to a Grand Hyatt in Indian Wells. The property, the renovation, same, same investment firm, Trinity Investment, did a, they are doing a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous um, renovation. Like, you have to see this. It's spectacular. But we're going to do another Tia Carmen, and then, which is also going to have an emphasis on California products, California farmers, which is just amazing, right? And then the other concept, which 
like here at Desert Ridge, um, is across literally 10 feet away from each other. It's called Carmucha. Carmucha. That's right. I like like how you say that too. I like saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Glad we're on the same page. Um, But that was my Tia Carmen's nickname. And I I just want to, you know, I really embody her every day. I just think as I step in the metaphorically, the arena of these restaurants and the hotels, I just feel this. I'm just in complete gratitude that in a way she kind of saved me. Right. So I want to just show her the utmost love. So Carmucha, that was her nickname. She was just somebody who was just she wanted to embrace everybody. So Carmucha, or my Tia, grew up in Dominican Republic. And it's it's a global tapas, but it's from her perspective. So it's the first time she goes to China or Shanghai and has pork spear ribs. So, and then she writes home to her sister, Tia Evangelina. And then she goes to Italy or Tuscany and has tomato, um, spaghetti and tomato sauce, but, but it's seen from her lens. So as we do the menu development, it's gonna be all seen through Tia Carmen's eyes. Fantastic, I look forward to that when that opens. Let me ask you my question from my guest on episode 376. Okay. Because it ties a bit into this. Uh, I had on Christoph Belanca. He's the executive Ooh. chef and owner of Essential by Christoph. Yes. His Michelin star debut restaurant on New York's Upper West Side. I had a fantastic meal there over the summer, what he's doing there. He's doing really beautiful food, amazing, amazing hospitality. Um, so his question is, would you like to open a restaurant in New York one day? And I know you've been, you've had restaurants in, in New York, okay. but I wasn't sure, yeah. well, if you were chef, owner, partner, or, but regardless, do you, would you want to open another restaurant in well, New York? That's, that, that question is, is, might be appropriate because I just got back from New York City. I was in New York last week. I did a beautiful, first of all, the meals, I, the restaurants I ate at, oh my gosh, Okay, and I did a dinner at the James Beard, the new platform on Pier right. 57. I, I did a James Beard that. dinner there. Yes. I was on Good Morning America, and then I cooked at Google headquarters. So I had a very blessed weekend. But I, I just got to talk about this meal because I'm so <laughs> okay. excited. Go and for it. I ate at Sema. Yes. And, you love know, Ronnie Sema. came mm-hmm. here at Kambara last night here in Phoenix. It was so cool to see him. I oh, love him. And yeah. I love seeing you two together. And we... that. He knows how to, him and his wife, and they know how to eat. They're like certified eaters, okay? Uh, I think we served them 12 courses and they they just took it very, very well. But my meal at Sema was so inspiring. And no joke, after that meal, I was like, you know what? I wouldn't actually, in the, the right circumstances, if somebody approached me, I would do a restaurant in New York City. Okay, there you go. So there's Never the say never. All right. Well, we can stay tuned for that. And before we take a break, one more question. Yeah. So, you know, I have this book out called Chef Wise, yep. which is life lessons from Love leading it. chefs around the world. Thank you. John George is in the book. Um, yeah, I'm very honored to have done this project with these chefs around the world. And but that's it's a big deal. Let me advice. just pause. You hear what you're saying? Yes. How many chefs were, how many chefs? A hundred? Just 117. Okay. But what does that say about <laughs> you? You were able to rally some of the best chefs in the world. And that just speaks volume of who you are as a person. Thank you. And that's why I'm totally grateful that you're here with us Aww. and we're able to spend this time together. Oh, well, thank you. I, yeah, I just, when I talk about the book, I always have a big smile on my face because um, I'm very proud of it. And I love, I love I love what I do. I love chefs. I love restaurants. I love traveling for restaurants and meeting people in the industry. So um, 
to have this opportunity to do this project was was amazing and you know really dream project for me. So, but that ties in being here with you. I love being here and this conversation. Uh, I feel we could talk all all day. Um, but what's your what's your chef advice? Like a top. I mean, I'm sure you have lots of advice, but maybe like your number one tip for someone who's maybe thinking of being a chef or getting into this industry, because yeah. it's hard. We yeah. know it's hard too. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to give two two parts of advice. Okay. <clears throat> so one part is, and, and I'm just going to set up the context here because I think it's important, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up in a town of 5,000 people. Okay. I grew up, you know, in a very hard, you know, I would even say abusive home life, and it was really hard, and I struggled as a child. Um, but that being said, is one thing I learned, and one thing I know 100%, anything is possible. Yes. So you have to believe in yourself. Even if nobody believes in you, you know, my brothers and sisters went to Ivy League schools. You know, I was, you know, I wanted to become a chef. I was the black sheep of the family. You know, I was very disregarded, Right. You know, I was forgotten, right? But I just believed in myself and I had a vision and my Tia Carmen just breathed life into me and set that path. And I just, I, I, I believed in her words and that's all I needed to hear. So just believe in yourself and follow your dreams. And you never need to compromise your dreams to accommodate other people. I love that. It's another great tip. Um, and then just one other thing, be hungry, be hungry. Be hungry to learn. Be hungry because it's a for me, leadership is a two-way street. So if you show me as a cook or as a just anybody in my life that you're hungry to know, hungry, hungry to learn, hungry for anything for knowledge, that you have that thirst, then I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for your dreams. I'll advocate for your dreams, you know, so I'll stand with you. But be hungry. I love that too. Awesome. Okay two amazing <laughs> pieces of advice. No, really, I love them both. So Thank you. on that note, let's take a little break okay. and we'll come back. We'll play my speed round, talk a little industry news. I miss a little experience in the final question. Do you want to go play tennis now? Is that what the break's for? And we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> this break is going to be a little longer, but um, we'll be right back. Um, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and their rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hearst Ranch, in collaboration with Whole Foods Market, is proud to be the presenting sponsor of The Farm Report, a special HRN series in collaboration with the National Young Farmers Coalition. Tune in each week to hear from farmers, 
policymakers, organizers, and food advocates about all the ways the Farm Bill directly impacts our lives, whether we realize it or not. They'll break down farm policy and talk to young farmers about what hangs in the balance for them as another Farm Bill gets made. Join the coalition to shift power and change policy for the next generation of growers and land stewards. The future of good food depends on it. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Angela Sosa. He's the executive chef of Tia Carmen and Cambara Restaurants at the JW Marriott Phoenix Desert Ridge Resort and Spa in Phoenix, Arizona, Mm. where we're on location, and I'm thrilled to be here, so thank you. Um, Time for my speed round. Okay. What this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference. Okay, let's do it. chocolate or vanilla. That's... Do we get to call somebody if I don't know the answer? Oh, lifeline. That's a first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know who you're going to call, but who are you going to call? <laughs> okay. Um, eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Wait, is this just... Uh, Today? Just, just one... You pick one. Se- so would you rather eat in... Or eat out? Depends on the restaurant. Depends on the location. My Because I travel so much, I'm going to say eat in. Okay. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Alfresco. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Mocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? Hmm. <sighs> okay. Tasting. I thought that was going to be a life. <laughs> Tasting. Okay. Small plates or large plates? Should I be stressed? Right now? Yeah. Do you feel stressed? Is it stressing you out? <laughs> this is a fun game. There's no right or wrong. I don't get stressed. I'm good. <laughs> I don't know. This is, all of a sudden, there's no... I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. okay. Small, what was the question? I don't, I don't remember. Um, small plates or large plates? Oh, small. 100%. Communal table or chef's counter? Ooh, chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? That one might stress you out. Wow. (laughs) All-inclusive charge. And people get paid out fairly? However you want to define, answer this question. This is the most, I will say all in, well, no, no. Hmm, interesting question. I choose to tip. Okay. I've heard I lots wanna, of different versions of answers on this I want to leave, and I want to make sure people are fairly compensated. Yeah, yeah. I think other people have been on the show as they said that in their own way. So yeah, it's a that's a that could be a whole show, but um, it's part of the speed round. Okay, a few more. Um, cooking on TV or just cooking? Depends on. I'll, I'll say cooking on TV, but it depends on what TV. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, let me call my lifeline. <laughs> okay, what t- okay. You you mean like what TV show? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know how you'd answer that. Or any of them. Okay. Because you travel a lot. Window seat or aisle? I enormous I'm six three, I have enormous legs. Aisle. Your aisle. Yeah. I'm window because I have shorter legs. <laughs> um and I like I like, I like looking at the window. You like that one? I love- oh, good. I, I don't like flying. I'm so scared. When there's a little bump, I just start panicking. 
Yeah. Well, not yeah, but I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised because you do travel a lot. I mean, over time, though. Yeah, it doesn't get easier. No, I'm sorry. That's okay. But um, I have to say, I'm good with traveling and planes. I mean, I wouldn't say it's my favorite mode of transportation. Yeah. I have to say I was in, I'm going to get to my solo dining experience, which is from D.C. I was in D.C. a weekend ago, and I took the Amtrak. Okay. Which is New York, great. D.C., I've yeah. done that to Philly. Whenever I take the train, I'm like, I like this. Like, I don't know. It's comfortable. Yeah. It yeah. goes by so fast. And the views are amazing. The views are amazing. You go from the yeah. center of a city to the center of a city. Yeah. D.C. Oh, I don't do trains as I do planes more, but yeah. Okay. Anyways. Perfect. It was a total not necessary not a speed round segue. Anymore. I know, I know, and it's my fault, but I got two more. Cheese plate or dessert? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that reaction. Uh, be, uh, I just think it depends. I, I'm going to say cheese plate. I love it. An amazing cheese plate. Love. Okay. Like okay. love. Love, love, love. Have you had the one at Danielle? Oh. Yes, but not in a long time. Okay. But I like to go to Europe and have cheese plate. Well, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Paris or wherever you're at. I mean, you can't Let's go, go after your spa appointment. It's not like so crazy to for me to be like, yes, I would do that. Like, let's just book flights and go to Paris and have cheese plate and dessert. We'll have them both. Ooh. Okay. Last one is Manhattan, Brooklyn, Phoenix, or San Diego. What's the question? <laughs> okay, done. That's no. the game. <laughs> well, I used to, when I started doing my show, um, I would go out every week uh-huh. to Heritage Radio's studio yeah. in Brooklyn. Okay. And so this question was Brooklyn or oh, Manhattan. Oh, so where, where do I want to live? Where do I want a vacation? Well, where can, do I want where you, uh, Any is, or your, it could be like your city of preference or okay. where you, but yeah. So we had Manhattan, Brooklyn, Phoenix, San Diego. San Diego. This is what I'm going to do. Maybe it's a first. Manhattan for the food, culture. Brooklyn for the hipster, cool swanky, eclectic vibe. Phoenix for, oh, the sunsets. And San Diego, because, well, first of all, I'm afraid of the water. I'm afraid of sharks. I saw Jaws way too many times, but I love looking at the water. So I answered all the questions. You did. Yeah, I'm drawn to the water and I'm drawn to sunsets. (laughs) And I've lived in Manhattan forever, so I'm drawn to the the crazy life of New York City. New York's amazing. Yeah, and... Yeah, they're all great choices. You can't go wrong. Okay, so that's the game. Sort of fast-ish, but um, not, but it's okay. Okay, so for industry news, yes, the article I picked out was in the New York Times, and it's entitled, The Menu Trends That Define Dining Right Now. We gathered 121 menus from restaurants all over the country. Together, they offer a glimpse into the tastes and values of today. And this was by Priya Krishna, Tanya Sitchisky, I'm saying that right, and Umi Siam. Mm -hmm. Um, This came out about a week ago. I thought it was a great piece, just talking about restaurant menus Mm -hmm. and what they're noticing as trends. Talked about the food, Mm -hmm. said uh, trendy offerings like tin fish and $12 bowls of olives show no signs of disappearing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also talked about Caesar salads being everywhere now. Um, Talked about the aesthetic, how saying menus have shrunk. They're Bolder and brighter. There's cute mascots, cheesy fonts, uh, 
And then the third part was about the anatomy, talking about how small, big, bigger is the new appetizer entree dessert. Hold the booze, how non-alcoholic drinks have Mm -hmm. risen up on menus, which I've certainly noticed and I think is cool. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if you saw this piece, Benny, taken. Some of these, these trends that they're talking about here at at your restaurants, Mm -hmm. like, I guess, one sheet menus as well, rather than a whole book of dishes and things like that. But talk about your menus or this article. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, I I love that. And and, and I I might have two of my own, too, (laughs) if I could add. But I think first and foremost, so I I don't drink. I've I've been sober for for eight years at this point. But I definitely think this whole game of zero, zero cocktails or mocktails or non-alcoholic beverages. Um, one thing that's not necessarily new per se, but I think what is what is definitely new and, and, and definitely there's a deeper dive and I think it's next level is these mixologists and bartenders are going like really deep and super creative, right? Versus like, hey, cranberry juice and oh, let me just put a little lemon zest on that, right? No, 100%. And I haven't drank in a long time. And I mean, that's become a thing in the past, mm-hmm. I'd say two years or not mm-hmm. even one year, like thoughtfully mm-hmm. crafted non-alcohol drinks mm-hmm. on menus. And here at your restaurants, I've had mm-hmm. a couple at, at your different places mm-hmm. and they were the short and spicy over mm-hmm. at Tia yes, Carmen. And yeah, they're delicious. And as you said, like more yeah. complicated, but yeah. not, I mean, not complicated, thoughtful. but thoughtful. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I think this is really important because as, because it's a dining experience and, you know, you might have heard me say this when we were dining. I talked about how, like, plants and, and trees, they, the roots speak to each other, right? In their gardens, you know, if you have serrano chilies next to cilantro, that cilantro will have a little spice to it, right? Because the roots are talking to each other, right? And some thrive and some don't. So the, the menu, the bar program, like, it needs to talk to the food. So, for example, our zero-proof cocktails, they not only are they ornate and beautiful, but they speak to dishes. And, like, I had you try the beer, right, in yes. that beautiful glass. We're even getting so thoughtful of the glasses, right, that evoke that or that really create that magical experience. Yeah. So, what was that N.A. beer again? Hitachi. Okay. And the ones you have, you know, you have Athletic oh. Brewing and the other uh, that you Bravas. have. Yes, it, it's re- did, yeah. did you try it? No. Oh, but I still, got, I still got a day left. Spectacular. <laughs> so I definitely think there's more. One thing I'm really excited about is the deeper dive of the Zero Proof and then also to the glassware that it goes mm-hmm. into that really extrapolates and evokes that dining experience um you know uh well i'll say this can i add my own trend or you want me to comment about add your own trend please so seeing that we're in a hotel yes right a big conglomerate of a hotel the merit's a very worldwide hotel I, i think there's you know a new you know i would like to believe that you know, we have these beautiful restaurants here, right? And even if they weren't my restaurants, right? They're beautiful restaurants, right? And I think there's a perception of hotel restaurants, right? And I think yeah. that's shifting. I would like it to say shifted. that's shifting. I, th- right? I, I agree. And well, I think it's shifted in major metropolitan cities, LA, San Fran, New York, but I think you find bo- yeah, beautiful I- boutique restaurants, you know, restaurants and hot- uh, nice restaurants and boutique hotels. But on these big, you know, we have, there's almost, what's almost 800 keys here, right? It's, it's a big hotel, yeah, yeah. but to find world-class restaurants. So I think that that's, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah. Shifting. And 
the perception like in New York, like Cafe Carmelini, Andrew Carmelini just opened this beautiful space hotel. Like there's a lot. Yeah, I think back, I mean, going way back in the day, more known just hotel dining. It wasn't more yeah. like destination restaurants yeah. in a sense. But yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, you're going to experience, you're going to get a spa treatment today. You're going to have a world-class experience. The spa is gorgeous. I had some of my best massages I've had in my lifetime. I had many massages. The pickleball courts you're going to see tomorrow, right? Well, as I think we said this yesterday, I may not leave. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> I may just move in. So we're going to do 379 here in Desert Ridge at the JW Marriott. Phoenix. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I don't know. You never know. Um, but... No, it's been lovely. This The whole property and everything you're doing here is fantastic. And I'm so glad I got to experience it. I think there's one other trend that I would love to mention. Go for it. Uh, integration of nature into the food, right? Because we were in that stage of where, oh, you have those frivolous garnish garnishes and they're non-edible garnishes. No, I, in fact, believe in, you know, we're here in Arizona. The desert botanicals are magical. Like, let's invite nature into the cuisine, so we create the experience. So you can really feel like you're in a very specific time and place. Okay, I love it. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so cool. Yeah, that was the article. I don't know. It was a big spread in New York Times, and it's worth checking out. I mean, we just touched okay. on some of the parts of it, but um, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so it's time for my solo dining experience. So this week it's at Lutess. Which I will give you the rundown. So the location, 1522 Wisconsin Avenue Northwest in Washington, D.C. It is in the Georgetown neighborhood. The concept, cozy, stylish bistro with exposed brick walls and a changing French menu spotlighting seasonal fare like its namesake, Latatia, the Roman predecessor to modern-day Paris, Lutess is rooted in history and dreams. The chef and partner is Matt Conroy, who trained in classically French and then Mexican cuisine, and pastry chef is Isabel Koss, who was on Food & Wine's Best New Chef List 2023. Mm. So why'd I go? Well, I heard amazing things about this place. Um, I knew of Matt from his time. He was at Ochomoco in New York City, in Brooklyn, no never know if you went there, but great restaurant. And I was in D.C. because I worked with Eric Bruner Yang of Maketo in the past, and I'm starting to work with him again. So that's what brought me on the Amtrak out to D.C. And I want to check this place out. So my experience, I made a reservation for one for their weekend lunch. It's an intimate spot that I was seated at the bar. When I settled in, there was a woman who sat down shortly before me who was also solo. Her name was Christina. And she's a pastry chef Mm. who was from San Antonio in town for some work. And we hit it off. We ended up chatting the whole meal. And then at the end, uh, sharing desserts. They (laughs) sent us out. They had three desserts. And Matt and Isabel sent them out to us, which was lovely. And they were all fantastic. And um, it was great to meet them. And had a really, really lovely time. You know, sometimes these solo dining experiences turn into making friends, which I love. So what I get? Well, started with coffee. And uh, then Matt sent out this golden Ocetra caviar with palm, palasin, creme fraiche, and dill. It was divine. Mm. Um, I got the dry-aged steak tartare with sunchokes, mm. tarragon, aioli, and chili. 
and then I had a French omelet with mushroom fricassee, borsin, and sabayon, and then the desserts, semi-freddo with 18-month comte and honeycomb, lemon uzu tart with poppy cream and mandarin pavlova with mm. meringue cream and mandarin jam. Mm. It was all fantastic. Mm. Like wow. the caviar, the little bite, I mean, it was, it was on a little pedestal. It was very fitting. Wow. It was very rich, savory Thank dish. you for teasing me, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> teasing you for lunch. Um, steak tartare was perfectly mm. prepared and uh, sun chokes on top. Lovely combination. The omelet was light and fluffy with this wonderful sabayon sauce that's not something I would typically whip up at home. Um, and the desserts were incredible. I mean, they were they were all delicious. The semi-fredo that had this like ribbons on cheese on top. Actually, the other night when I was at Tia Carmen mm-hmm. and I had your dessert, the flan with the, the snow ball. of cheese. Yeah. All of a sudden, I mean, this was recently and I was there a couple of nights ago at your restaurant. So you start, is this a trend? Like the sweet with the cheese? I mean, I just need one more to make it a trend. You know, they say three is a trend. (laughs) But both your dessert, that was fantastic. And this dessert, fantastic. That sounds mind-blowing. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, So the ambiance, so it's an intimate, charming bistro. The outside's painted this bright blue. You see it in the middle of Georgetown, like draws you in. And it's it's intimate. You go to the... uh, bathroom in the back, you pass by the open kitchen and there's a, the chef's pass and there's a table right there that they call the the chef's table um, that you can reserve. I think he's doing like a four course menu there. So mm. another time, uh, perfect for dining solo or with friends or a date, I'd say. Interesting tidbit. So guess what? Chef Matt and pastry chef Isabel are married. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a husband wife team. Personal fun fact. So where else did I eat in D.C.? So I went to Paolo Dunca's Filipino restaurant, Hiraya. Um, that was wonderful. My good friend who I know you know you've worked with and are friends with as well, Piche Ong, Pichet. is doing the desserts there. Beautiful. Um, and I went to Eric Bruner Yang's Taiwanese Cambodian mm. place, Maketo, for lunch. That was fabulous. I went to Michael Rafidi's Albi. He's doing Levantine cooking. That was wonderful. And his, he has a place called Yellow that's right next door to Lutess. And I popped in there and, and got some coffee and a little pastry while I was there, um, which was great. I went to Johnny Sparrow's uh, seafood, lively seafood spot called Bar, Bar Sparrow. I went with my friend Rachel. That was great. Uh, I stopped in Tate for dessert and coffee. And I was staying at the Eaton Hotel, and they have a place called Baker's Daughter where they had breakfast, mm. and I got a breakfast sandwich there. And actually, when I was in D.C., for like the t- one day it, it warmed up to 70 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> it was like New York. It was like zero degrees, and then it was 70 degrees. So um, they had a rooftop there, which is was really nice. one day because that's a lot of food. That's all in one day. And then wow. the next day, you know. No, I I jump around. It was a few days, but it's what I do. (laughs) What I do. And what I do also, I'll say, I I asked when I was there about bookstores, um, and their GM, Elizabeth Parker, was so lovely. Mm. She then wrote down on a postcard all these bookstores in D.C., and I went over to Bold Bold Fork Books, which is a culinary bookstore in D.C. Oh, wow. And... I looked around and up on a shelf, boom, they had my book, oh, Chef Wise. Cool. So cool. I signed copies and they were they were wonderful. Oh it's God. like 
it's that's like beyond checking out restaurants. That's my new hobby. <laughs> I love going by bookstores. So, um, so thank you. Uh, the cost of the meal was $52. That's not including the desserts or the caviar bite. And there was also a 22% automatic service charge on the bill and, um, and tax. That's so not including that. Would I go back? Yes. I think I'd probably need to go back and try their burger, um, which is only offered weekend lunch. I heard it's quite good. And their website is lutestdc.com, Instagram Mm. at lutestdc. There you go. You've been to D.C. anytime recently? Or you you now need to go? Yeah. And there's (laughs) an next time you're there, you have to go to my dear friend Makoto. Makoto Makoto-san, he has Love Makoto. Oh, I've heard of it. It's magical. Okay. Oh my God, so delicious. And let me know. Okay, I'll let you know. Well, I plan to be back. I hadn't been since before the pandemic, actually. Okay. So I was due. It was a couple, you know, 2019, I think, the last time I was there. It's a lot of time. Yeah. Felt the same, you know, new places, but DC school. Okay, final question time. So my next guest, I'm having um, some more chefs. I'm having on Max. Nat Messning and Marco Prinz, and they are the newly appointed executive chefs mm. at the world-renowned restaurant Chef's Table at Brooklyn Fair. And both of them worked at Chef's Table early in their careers, and then they are now bringing their deep culinary experience and expertise from working in Michelin-starred restaurants around the world mm-hmm. to this restaurant. So, Angelo, can you please ask a question for Max and Marco? I would love to. And in fact, I wrote one down. Oh, fantastic. Because I really want to know the answer to this. And this is definitely a personal question. So, you know, working in Michelin star restaurants, let's just say they're they're at the top of the food chain, right? Um, so being at the top of the food chain and having a unique restaurant like Brooklyn Fair, right, has had so much notoriety um, and they're known for their innovation as well. You know, and I think one of the biggest things in any business, in any restaurant, I believe I'll even use this word, we're chasing consistency, right? Consistency is the hardest. Like I think about like risk, our role is to mitigate risk. Like we have the temperature of the plates. Are they hot? Are they cold? Is the silverware polished? You know, is there spotting? Is the water too hard? Is it soft? You know, like there's just so much, you know, is this, is, is the food overcooked? Is it under seasoned? Is it over seasoned, right? There's just so much to tend to, right? So having a restaurant like Brooklyn Fair, to both of you chefs, how do you maintain consistency in your restaurant? Consistency is important. I will find out. Yes, great question. I I had dinner there under their leadership or their cooking maybe about a month or six weeks ago, and mm-hmm. it was wonderful. And I was at Brooklyn Fair when it first opened in Brooklyn with um, Cesar Ramirez many years ago and had a wonderful meal Mm -hmm. then. So, um, yeah, this is, um, it's a great question. I'm going to find out. I look forward to chatting with them. I think I'm doing it on location again, which I love on location interviews. (laughs) It's it's so wonderful. And it's like, so thank you for your question. And thank you for this interview, for having me here at your amazing property, for your extraordinary hospitality, uh, I've really enjoyed my stay and I feel very lucky to be here with you today and to sit across a table from you and have this conversation. As I said, you know, we could talk for a long time. Um, you're, 
you're just a delight and Thank I wish you. you much continued success. I can't wait to see what you do next. Like, there doesn't have to be a next because what you're doing now is fantastic, but I feel like you're, there will be something, you know, well, there is exciting. We'll be, we'll meet in Indian Wells. How about that? Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm coming. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, you know, I love to travel and I love I love this time being here. So thank you thank and you. congratulations on on everything you've accomplished. Thank you. It's such a gift to have. Just you in your presence is really a gift to to me and to us. So thank you. Thank you. I'm very flattered. Um, but thank you for saying that and You're thank welcome. you for everything. So my guest today has been Angelo Sosa. He's the executive chef of Tia Carmen and Cambara restaurants at the JW Marriott Phoenix Desert Ridge Resort and Spa in Phoenix, Arizona. His restaurant websites are TiaCarmenDesertRidge.com and CambaraDesertRidge.com. On social, you can follow him at Chef Angelo Sosa. There's at Tia Carmen PHX at Cambara. PHX and JW Desert Ridge. And, you know, it's so funny. I always think back of whenever I learned how to spell or as a kid with the difference between desert and dessert. Dessert. Desert only has one yeah. S. Strawberry shortcake is how I always remember it. S-S. Oh, really? Yeah. I just remember it because dessert, you want more. You want, you know, you want dessert. So two S's. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I do think of that though when I see the word desert. Um Okay, I've probably shared way too much on the show. <laughs> you can follow me if you want to see photos of places I've been eating, and I'm going to be posting about this amazing trip too. So check out my Instagram. It's at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check out my new book, Chef-Wise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World by Fiden. It's available wherever books are sold. Thanks to my engineer today, Armin. Thanks again to Angelo. Thanks to the entire team at Tia Carmen, Kambara, and JW Marriott, Phoenix Desert, Ridge Resort, and Spa. And to his wonderful PR team, Mona Creative, Yay. including Hallie Lipoff, Emily Coy, and co-founder Alana Albertstein. Thank you all so much. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be back with a new show next week. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you as always for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.